R.J. Howman joins us, Director of Government Relations for the Federation for American Immigration Reform, or as it is otherwise known, FAIR. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Tommy. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for taking the time. Tell me, uh, I guess, should we start with the definition of public charge for people that don't know what that is? Yeah, a public charge is just basically an individual who's likely to become dependent on government benefits for his or her survival. And and real quick, these laws aren't new, all right? Congress passed similar types of laws all the way back in 1882, where they said any person unable to take care of himself or herself could be barred for admission into the country. And then in 1996, Congress revamped the country's public charge laws, raising the qualifications for welfare for non-citizens. But that thanks to some uh, mass immigration constituencies within President Bill Clinton's base, the changes were ultimately thrown out in 1999. So today, all the Trump administration is seeking to do is revitalize and clarify these laws and look in the non-citizen usage of some big programs. We just think they're enforcing longstanding law, longstanding laws long required for nationalists to rely on their own capabilities here. They're just defining it, ensuring those that seek to come or stay here can support themselves financially and not rely on public benefits. So to whom would this apply, RJ? People that are applying to get into the country um, at at the border claiming um, um, uh, amnesty? Is it people that are coming into the country legally before their application is even accepted? How would it look? Right. And these are just applying to legal immigrants. People are coming here getting green cards, primarily people who are sponsored by family members, not coming here for employment reasons. But listen, this proposal is not discriminatory towards immigrants. And not only are the proposed changes not retroactive. So if you already immigrated here, you already became a U.S. citizen and you maybe are on welfare benefits at the time. This doesn't apply to you. This is just looking into the future. It also exempts refugees, asylees, TPS recipients, and, and you know, some people that, that, that do actually need help and are coming from other parts of the world that we're actually looking out for. Um, there's also some programs that are excluded. It doesn't go after everything. There's things like Medicaid. There's things for people that are pregnant. There's you know, school lunch programs, things like that. It doesn't go after everyone. But it does go after some big welfare programs out there that primarily should be reserved for U.S. citizens. You have Supplemental Security Income, SSI, Temporary Assistance to Needy Families, the Earned Income Tax Credit, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. There's a lot of public, uh, public housing, rent subsidies, things like that, things that only should be reserved for the American people. I mean, with crumbling infrastructure, you've got highly unaffordable health care rising college tuition costs, money spent on non-citizen welfare should be allocated elsewhere. If you're carelessly providing billions in benefits to people who haven't paid into your system, that's a recipe for financial disaster, and it's not fair for American citizens. So in terms of definition, because um, obviously you got to have a rule, right, where either you can or you can't, is is it set up where if you can't prove that you don't need these things, you don't come in? Are there parameters that are set up that say, uh, basically, if you don't have this asset or that asset, then all of a sudden you, uh, you, your application is denied? Or does it deny people any of these benefits after they already get here? I just wonder how you put this in a, in a practice. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I, I just always like to know how things work. No, and this is something that they're still working on how they'd implement as well. I mean, this is the rulemaking process. You know, this thing's been cooking for several months, and, and this won't be implemented until I believe it's about mid-October as the agency works behind the scenes to see how they're going to do it. But, again, with this, everything is looking into the future. And, and even in some instances, too, they're offering some family members, when you are sponsoring an immigrant down the line, 
And if they do apply for welfare or try to get on something, then you'd be on the hook for it. Basically, again, they're just looking into the future, how we can protect taxpayers and a lot of American citizens who deserve this stuff. We're the most generous country in the world. We already work hard to provide for the needs of our families. So the resources needed to fund those coming into the country must be considered not to overburden American citizens. And that's all they're trying, that's all they're trying to do right now. And, and again, the Trump administration is getting a lot of heat from people on the left and in the media. But, but what's happening right here and, and the exemptions they've carved out and who they're making not eligible for here is, is it's just a smart move for American citizens and our programs as a whole. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about how bad is the situation. We're talking to R.J. Hauman, Director of Government Relations for the Federation for American Immigration Reform, FAIR, about this change in the, well, would you call it a change or not, in the public charge rule as it relates to immigrants? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this stuff, again, it got kind of scrapped in 1999. The changes were thrown out. And listen, the law has been on the book since 1996, while the practice is dated back to the 1800s. So for, for decades, this thing could have been clarified, but previous administrations would have had to go through the pretty long rulemaking process. And that's what the administration did. I mean, we knew this thing was coming for a couple of years and, and we issued a, we put out a public comment. And, you know, I, I don't I don't know if it, this is totally true, but there's been, I think, about a record of public comments that were issued on this. Over 200,000 of people were weighing in on on how this thing should be changed or what should or shouldn't be done. And I think that actually got this thing changed a little bit to make more people exempt. So it doesn't go as far as the administration initially wanted. So they made some compromises here by saying some programs can be used by immigrants and some types of immigrants aren't going to be cracked down upon for for using taxpayer benefits here. So this thing's been in the works for a while. But again, you're seeing, I think, a lot of outrage right now that's misplaced, that this is something that Stephen Miller and the Trump administration or President Trump himself just concocted when this isn't new. I mean, self-sufficiency is a core principle of the American dream. Generations of Americans and hardworking legal immigrants have worked hard to meet their needs. They didn't rely on the government. This has been going on for a century. Our process of admissibility in the country has always emphasized the need for being self-sufficient, and the administration has just followed through on that. So how much of a problem is it now, RJ, in terms of immigrants that are here? I presume you're talking about legally or legally and illegally that are availing themselves of public uh, assistance. Let's put it that way, I guess. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, for, for illegal, I mean, this is only applying to legal immigrants as well. But, yeah, illegal immigrants get a ton of public assistance as well. And, you know, we have to remember with a lot of loopholes in our asylum laws, most people who back in the day would cross the border illegally just to try to get a job in the country. Now they just make a frivolous asylum claim. A lot of these Central American people coming up here, even though they're economic migrants, just looking to work, they make a frivolous asylum claim. And because our system is so backed up, they have to wait two years for it to go through when they likely end up getting denied, but we give them a work permit in the meantime. So again, for the illegal immigrants as well, even if you look at some states, especially California, they get granted benefits at the state and local level as well. But what's going on here again is just applying to people that are primarily sponsored by family members. And a lot of our legal immigration intake is is not people coming here from a merit-based perspective who are looking to enrich our economy and work. A lot of them are just sponsored by by family members. The percentage of immigrants relying on welfare programs actually mirrors 
the percentage of immigrants who were admitted to the U.S. under family chain migration policies. Several years ago, uh, one of our sister organizations calculated this number where about 68 percent of green cards were issued to people whose only qualification for admission into the country was to be related to someone already here. So we right now, a lot of individuals are not objectively assessed on their self-reliance or how they can contribute to our country, but simply their bloodline. So if you have a family member here, would there be any way, or is this the way it would look to say, okay, uh, welcome to the country, you filled out your paperwork, here's your green card. Oh, by the way, you're ineligible for this, that, or the other thing. Well, again, we're not we're not just saying you're ineligible. I mean, we're just putting down these requirements here that, again, that you can't expect to come here and rely on taxpayer assistance. So a lot of U.S. citizens have put much money into a lot of these programs. And we have a lot of people out there, you know, whether you believe it or not, that actually deserve to be looked at first when it comes to eligibility for these things with public housing and rent subsidies. I mean, people could think those programs shouldn't exist. That's one of their whole other argument. But right now, I mean, if we're giving away taxpayer benefits, that money should be reserved for American citizens. And also, we can't have that on the table enticing people to come here. Relying on American taxpayers shouldn't be the reason you want to come to America. You should want to work hard, be self-sufficient, ensure you that you're able to succeed and support themselves as they seek opportunity here. Do you have any numbers as to how much it's costing now? You know, I think each program, and we've calculated this, I don't have them in front of me, but no, you were talking billions for each program. And I think the administration, I don't think anybody has a real grasp of, of what it would save down the line or if this could even reduce legal immigration as a whole or if maybe different types of people start coming in, people that are actually coming in for employment opportunities rather than a family sponsorship. But I think many people will say it is billions. If you look at how much money these welfare programs cost, you know, you have – uh, supplemental security income, temporary assistance to needy families, things like that cost billions as it is. And, you know, when you see about half of your legal immigrants are on those programs, you know the numbers are up in the billions. So I think this will, will save a, a good bit of money and protect American taxpayers and ensure that resources are going to American citizens and that those who come in here can then contribute to that down the line rather than relying on it. All right, thank you, RJ. Appreciate your time. RJ Hauman, Director of Government Relations for the Federation of American Immigration Reform, or as it's otherwise known, FAIR.